This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach. And yeah, I won't lie to you. I'm pretty excited to introduce you to our celebrity guest today. His name is Jason Tardick. And all I can tell you is that everyone on our team, especially the 20-year-olds, but really all ages, have been pretty beyond excited for this show. And I'm not in my 20s, and I'm pretty stoked too. Jason Tardick is a motivational business speaker, coach, and host of Apple's top charting business podcast, Trading Secrets. And it's really good. And of course, he's also the author of a fabulous new book, called The Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career, which is also fabulous and right up the alley of the show, as I was just mentioning to Jason. After about 10 years in corporate banking on Wall Street, Jason Tardick took a detour into season 14 of The Bachelorette on ABC, becoming, I would, I would have to say, probably one of the most famous contestants ever in Bachelor Nation history. And since then, he's made several appearances on the ABC network, Good Morning America. We've had Joan London on the show. The Bachelor season 23, Celebrity Family Feud, Listen to Your Heart, Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Bachelorette, Greatest Seasons Ever, Dancing with the Stars, and The Bachelorette Season 17. And his business endeavors, coupled with his reality TV time, have really led to a 1,200,000-plus social media following. And in addition, he has landed co-hosting opportunities on Live from E, Yahoo Finance, and E! Daily Pop. He's been featured on the Today Show, The Ellen Tube, Fox News, CNN, People TV. It just goes on and on. Entertainment Tonight, of course, and more and more. And he and Caitlin Bristow both starred in Brett Kissel's music video, Drink About Me, which received a Juno nomination. And he's even been part of a WWE match. And he was formerly announced as the co-champion of the 24-7 WWE belt. I know this is the longest bio ever, but I'm almost there. It's all worth it because you've done all this great work. So Jason, as I mentioned earlier, worked for almost 10 years on Wall Street, earning his MBA in accounting and finance. He executed over $150 million in lending transactions. Well, And he's now become an investor at Evoke Foods and the Fintron Invest app. He owns 50% of a social media talent agency. He is a four times best-selling list author of the Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career. He has an Instagram channel at Restart underscore Reset with 100K plus followers and a YouTube channel with 10K plus subscribers and even a weekly market newsletter to his 20K plus subscribers. And just a few more fun facts before we meet Jason. His book is doing so unbelievably well that it's been named the number one release on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, number six on the Wall Street Journal business bestseller list. It goes on and on. He's on the Amazon and Audible bestseller lists, 
Publishers Weekly bestseller list. And he has a new book coming out. We might hear about that in a moment. And his book is also a finalist for many awards, which are really well-deserved. This is all pretty impressive stuff. And I have to congratulate you on all of your success. Jason Tardick, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Judy, thank you so much for having me. Wow, that, I feel you're making, you're pumping my tires after that intro. So it is so nice to be here. And thank you for that very kind and generous introduction. Absolutely. So well-deserved. Before we even get to The Bachelorette, your fiance, Caitlin Bristow, your awesome podcast, and your fabulous book, The Restart Roadmap. And by the way, as I mentioned, congratulations on all of this stuff. We've done a lot of research on you, Jason. And what I can tell you, as I said off the top, is all the 20-year-olds on our team are totally crushing on you. And really, everyone that I talk to about you says that not only are you handsome, and a total, can I say babe at my age? I don't know. Uh, All of those things. You're likable, you're charming, you're smart. But the thing that everyone also says is that you're just a nice guy. I would call it a mensch and just a really nice guy. You were definitely the most lovable and likable contestant ever in Bachelor history. And you also had the guts and courage to leave a job as a corporate banker on Wall Street, which you did for 10 years, and take a quantum leap. And sometimes that's all it takes. But I want to take us back for a moment. You were following the blueprint, as you write in the Restart Roadmap, and something happened at an important meeting in a boardroom that really made you change the trajectory of your career. Can you tell us what happened that day? Yeah, so that day, I was getting ready for a big pitch and I was the youngest person in the room and it was a big client's office. And so we were pitching a new opportunity to them that other banks were bidding on. And I kick off chapter one of the Restart Roadmap right with this story because we're sitting there and in the worst time of one of the most opportune moments, everyone's sitting down, the pitch is ready to start and I feel a full-on panic attack coming. I don't know what's going on. I just feel like my heart starts racing. I start panicking. I can't think about what the task at hand I just don't know what to do. Fight or flight set in. And all I could think was, I need to get out of the situation. I need to get out now. I said, abruptly interrupted, do you guys have a bathroom close by? And I left the room, darted for the bathroom, and I was in the executive men's room, closed the door, and I hit the deck. I just, I had so much anxiety. I literally passed out in an opportunity that you can't pass out. But I got myself back together, got back in the pitch room, the office room, the boardroom, and um, we got the pitch underway. And I remember when I got outside of those doors, when that was over, it was like the biggest breath of fresh air I'd ever received. And one of the interesting things was, is when you analyze that, the big question was why, what was going on? And I think I would have to attribute it that I was trying so much to be so exceeding expectations to so many different people. I lost touch with who I was. I had to be the best worker for my boss. I had to be the best colleague for my colleagues. I had to be the best uh, representative for my client. I had to be all these things that instead of just being me, I was so focused on uh, fulfilling the buckets for them. And I lost touch of me and I could only carry so much weight before the mental health started to take a serious, serious toll. And so that was a moment I'll never forget. It was one that I have never shared until the book. And, you know, we can get into many different components of that. But there were things I look back on that and how I camouflaged and crutched some of those situations as opposed to leaning into them um, that also led to, you know, a learning curve for myself. 
Wow. So brave of you to share that. And I think so many of us have been there, have had that panic moment where, you know, you have all of those symptoms that we all know what that is. What did you do to really circumvent this? Like I I know initially you probably dealt with it in an immediate way because you had to deal with the anxiety, but ultimately what happened to change the trajectory of your life and career when you recognized that this was happening? And that I love when you say in the book that you were just looking forward to Saturday, but the rest of the days of the week weren't so enjoyable. And that just amounted to 14% of your life, I think you wrote. And and so many of us do that, right? It's a job and we're not really doing our bliss, which is what this show is all about. So what happened after that day to change your trajectory? Yeah, I talk a lot about that in the book and just in life, how I felt so stuck that I felt as though I was like literally going into career jail on Monday and getting out Friday. And all I could do uh, to really truly be myself, talk the way I wanted to talk, act the way I wanted to act, dress the way I wanted to dress was Saturday. That's 14% of your year. And that's a bad, bad equation. One of the things that I will, will talk about is that I, instead of addressing the root of the issue, what I did was I found a way to immediately put a Band-Aid on my situation. And so for me, it was, let's find a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, because I knew a psychiatrist could give me and prescribe me a drug. And I knew sure. that a drug could find a quick fix. And so I was using uh, Xanax and beta blockers immediately so that whenever I felt that panic on, I could tell it to go away for a short period of time. And I used that because I was so focused on meeting the subjective expectations of my bosses and clients, because when I met those subjective expectations, in the return, I was seeing increased pay, increased promotion. And a time where I was getting my MBA at night and had to pay that debt off, that cash inflow was so critical. So when I look back at it, you know, I'm not proud of exactly the way I handled it. I think what I should have done is leaned more into what was the root of the issue as opposed to just putting a Band-Aid on what would get me through the next meeting. And the root of the issue was that I had yet to do the right self-examination to understand who I was and what I was and what I wanted and what I needed and how to communicate all of those moving parts. And so there are so many takeaways from that, but probably the biggest takeaway I have is that When it comes down to working on yourself, if you're looking for camouflages and crutches, it's only inevitable that those crutches will fall and you will fall on your face and those camouflages won't work and you will be seen. And what's interesting is that stepping into this vulnerability and showcasing some of these things that I thought were such big weaknesses and flaws actually has allowed me to create deeper connection with so many individuals because they too, the people I never thought, the colleagues I had and my parents, friends who are successful that I never thought were experiencing that same exact thing were. And when you have the ability to communicate these true feelings, the magnetization it creates and the ability to work on yourself and connect with others who are feeling the same becomes that much greater. It's so great what you've done, because what you've done is you've given people permission to share their story and to go and get the help they need in this book. And I think you're talking about that chapter on vulnerability. And I want to just tell our listeners that there's eight key principles in your book, The Restart Roadmap and really how to rewire and reset your career, which is ultimately what you did. And the first we've already talked about, which is the idea of breaking the existing blueprint. We could talk more about that. But I think what you're saying right now is about the efficacy of vulnerability. 
And I loved the story about you appearing on Celebrity Family Feud after The Bachelorette with host Steve Harvey. Love that guy. So fun. (laughs) And how Steve said to you that even though he loves golf, it would be so cool to have a career in it. But he knew that he just wasn't good enough at it. So finding that precise skill that you excel at, that makes you unique and that differentiates you from your peers is just a great way to start. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, it was actually interesting. So he said it to me, but he also said it to the whole audience. So we're filming Family Feud. And and by the way, side note, Family Feud is a lot tougher in person than it is <laughs> when you're watching. There's a lot of pressure. It's intense. Everyone, Family Feud guys, don't, I thought it'd be cool to be like the first one out with my hands in the air. It's, it's cool until you realize that well, the first person out is the last one to guess. So every single word has already been said before you say it. Oh, so gosh. Funny viral moment moment where I said that, what is Steve Harvey's head shaped like? And I'm not kidding you. Everything was already guessed. <laughs> I said bone and ham and that went viral. He <laughs> but one thing at the commercial break is he'll, he'll take questions from the audience. He took a question from, I think it was a girl up in the top row. was like, wow, what a cool job you have, Steve. Like, how do I get into hosting? And that's when he had said, like, if I had done all the things in life like that I absolutely loved, I wouldn't be here. I'd still be, because at one point he was, uh, you know, he was broke and living out of his car. He's like, I'd be broke living in my car again. And what he said was that he has figured out what his natural differentiators and skill sets are. And he has done that through uh, tribulations and trials to know himself better than anyone out there. And once he has done that, he had recognized his skill set that differentiates him amongst any person he knew and he individually seen. And what he did was he laid into that to make sure that his job responsibilities on a day-to-day basis are what differentiates him. And that's how he accelerated and been able to achieve the pinnacle performance he has. And that's the big takeaway away from his tip. That's so great is what do you excel at and really pinpointing that and you have all kinds of fabulous tips in the book on how to do that. But first, how do we challenge the blueprint? There's been a blueprint that's been written for a lot of us. And a lot of people are afraid to challenge it. How do we do it? And how did you do it? I think the first thing is to acknowledge it. Like, I think it's acknowledge that we are born to a blueprint that, you know, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our teachers, uh, the media, whatever it may be, shapes what we define as success. And then I think one of the big things for me was I recognized that I followed that formula to the T. Overachieve at school, go to college, work full time, say yes. When they tell you to move, move, which I did over four times, get promoted, eight promotions in nine years. I mean, get your MBA, which I did. All the things that I was told to do in this blueprint to find success, I did. And I achieved what people would call success on paper, right? 29 years old, uh, six-figure signing bonus, VP title, being moved from New York to Seattle. That resonates as success to a lot of people. The problem is underneath that, I was so unsatisfied and I was not engaged with myself or my work. And I was just left in a state of like of mental anguish and depression. And so I think that was my calling. But I'll say to anyone out there, do you feel as though you've been put down this path to success that has let you confuse, lost or wanting more? And if you have been, acknowledging it is a big, big, important thing. And the second thing, the easiest thing to do is think about right now, three to five people you look up to. Maybe it's an influencer, maybe it's an actor, a comedian, a politician. Think about someone you look up to. I promise you, it's interesting is if you put less of them on a pedestal because of where they are today and you rewire how they got there, what I have found is that almost every single one of them were blueprint breakers. They did things different than what the whole society or norm of what is acceptable 
possible is. In the book, I give a bunch of them. For some reason, the person I'm thinking of right now is the founder of Etsy, Rob Callen. He came and presented at my college. He failed every single class in high school except art. He had an A in art. He failed everything. His parents were like, you are a deadbeat. He couldn't afford to pay his rent. And the only way he paid afford to pay his rent was he helped his real estate owner do and sell things online that were in the form of art. And now Etsy's out. And Etsy's oh a billion dollar company. And he's the creator. That's a blueprint breaker. That's so cool. And you also talk in the book about how billionaire innovators like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg were both college dropouts. And Oprah Winfrey was born in poverty to a single teenage mother and just happened to find a job in radio when she was in high school and she took it from there. And you also talk about Lady Gaga. I mean, she's a great example of someone who was at the Tisch School for the Arts at NYU. And same thing, she completely left the school so that she could go to open mic nights and sing and, and jam and do what she really wanted to do. And then look, obviously, at what, what happened to her. And you also talked about Barbara Corcoran, Shark Tank. What was the story about her was that she failed at 23 jobs by the age of 23 and then this. Yeah. So what do all of these people have in common? I think that the thing that they have in common is that they have failed over and over, but through each failure, they've quickly got more information about themselves. And they've been able to put themselves on the trajectory necessary for them to be in the best position for their overall happiness. And that happiness has created unbelievable outlying success that we all now know about, right? You look at, I mean, Lady Gaga, you're at, like you said, Tish, she was studying arts at the time. I don't think she was studying anything in the vocal world, but she knew that she wanted to sing. You're at the best place for arts, dropping out so you could do mic nights. I mean, that is the <laughs> like your path and being on it. Barbara Corcoran, 22 jobs. She completely got fired from all of them because she didn't have the skill sets to pursue them or the passion or impact of what she's doing. She nails real estate. She finally finds it. She loves it only to have her significant other boyfriend at the time who was her partner cheat on her with her admin and tell her that you're a woman in real estate in New York at this time. Good luck. Well, Barbara found her place, knew her place. And we all know her story, sold her company, which was a billion dollar real estate company for over like 70 million bucks. And I think the biggest thing is all of them fail over and over. They're not afraid to fail. They lean into it. They get more information and use that information to reposition themselves to be on the best track for them, not for what other people define as success. Right. What were you doing, Jason, on Saturdays that was so much more fun than Monday to Saturday? I think the thing about Saturday was that I didn't feel this pressure of having to be something that I wasn't. It was just that I could just, you know, act the way I wanted to act and go out with my buddies and wanted to go. And I'd say it in the book. I didn't have to put that like corporate banking tone on like I am a banker. I could just let the guard down and be me. And I think that's a really good place for people to start if they feel like they're lost in their career. What do you do best? Where do you go for fun? What are the things you're interested in? When you shut the laptop down, what do you do for entertainment? Because those things that you watch and you're entertained by and that you gravitate towards, I promise you behind those are multi-billion dollar businesses with a ton of opportunity for you to enter. So if you're selling widgets and you hate selling widgets, but you know you're good at selling, but you really are into movies and you love watching every new release, you can go sell those actors. You can go be an agent and love what you're doing. So behind every hobby, there is definitely a professional opportunity. 
That's so true. So how did the quantum leap happen for you to be this, you know, really by the book, following the blueprint, 10 years on Wall Street as a corporate banker to go and audition for The Bachelorette season 14 with Becca Cuffrin? Like, what was that quantum leap that led you from Wall Street, I'm picturing you in the boardroom with the mahogany table and the <laughs> to The Bachelorette? I mean, it was the definition of breaking the blueprint. I was in a position and I was on a trajectory within my job that most people at 29 would dream to be in. And against everyone's approval, the approval of my parents, my friends, my closest people, my mentors inside and outside the company, and certainly my bosses, I made a huge leap of faith at a massive liability. Like the risk factor in the decision I made was huge, but I did it because I just wanted to do it. And so as a result of just wanting to do it and do something for myself, I took a shot at it. And when I took a shot at it, a lot of opportunity uh, then ensued. Opportunity and access and things that I never in a million years would have dreamt of. That first night of The Bachelorette in season 14 with Becca Cuffrin, you write that you felt you didn't belong at first. Classic imposter syndrome as you met all the other bachelors who were taller, bigger NFL players, and they were running hedge funds. And then you recognized your own allure, your own strength, your own power. And boy, do you have it. Can you tell us more? Yeah, I mean, I just think about it like I get first impressions are really important. I got to get out, make a first impression, nailed it, get in the mansion. And every <laughs> single one of these guys I'm looking up, they are all massive, they're like six, four plus. <laughs> I talked to one, he's an NFL player. I talked to the next, he's an MLB player. I talked to the next guy, he's a Harlem Globetrotter. I talked to the <laughs> next guy, he's been on four covers of modeling magazines. I'm like, you can't wow. make this up. I finally find this guy's name's John, who's very humble and sweet and nice guy. And I bring John, I'm like, John, how are you? John's the first guy not talking about himself. He's asking all about me. And then I finally get one second and I say, John, tell me about you. Like, what do you do? Well, well, he's being humble. John, what do you do? Well, I, I help start Venmo. Oh my God. All right. It was real. But with that, I had to quickly identify what it was that differentiated me. And what I saw is that for a lot of them, it was ego and confidence is that got them to where they were. And they were big self-promoters. And I commend them for doing that. But also the same thing that got them to where they are, the same thing that tripped them up. And I think it came down to discipline and being self-aware and being able to read the room. And they just weren't aware of the moving parts. A lot of them, and I'm not, not those people specifically, but a lot of them were just focused on them. And you can slowly start to see these individuals unravel by the hours, by the days, when they couldn't figure out anything other than promoting and pitching themselves. And so for me, it was uh, what I think differentiated me was to understand why I was there, to stay true to that, to not be afraid that I could leave just being me and to also recognize the moving parts of production and how things were moving all at once. So it was uh, it took a lot, but we got there and uh, I thought I might have gone home one night one, but it ended up going uh, all the way all the way to the end, practically like top three. And you also talk later in the book about power lines, like you have to have five lines at the ready, and and we can get into that in a moment. But you even used that off the top when you first met Becca. You were like, you had it down pat. Hi, I'm Jason Tardick, and do you remember some of what you said? Oh yeah, I mean, I think I can tell you almost exactly what I said. What I wanted <laughs> to do was like keep it real and authentic. People had all these big stunts. I'm like, I'm going to keep it to me, and so the big thing I did was I said, 
what's most important to me in my life. Well, my parents have been married for over 40 years. The definition of their relationship that's gotten to where they are is their best friends. My best friends and I back home, we greet each other with a handshake. And you and I have to start somewhere, so let's make a handshake. So we made a little handshake, and then I thought what would be fun is every time I saw her again, it would be like our little thing to break the ice and keep things going. But the big thing with the power lines are if you ever feel as though you're getting tripped up or someone has used some form of verbal communication or asked you a question that has put you in the back of a corner and you don't know what to do, like you feel like you're just taking a beating, you have five power lines that can really help you in any situation that you can take out of your pocket at any minute to bring to light a thought idea if you get stuck. And with these five power lines, you'll be able to adjust them based on what the situation is. So in interviews and conversations, even in dates, pitches, etc., having power lines ready to go and being able to customize them appropriately can really help. That's so great. I actually pulled out a little index card because I thought you could even have a little index card if your phone is not available and have that at the ready with uh, Jason's five PowerPoints. You've got to get this book. It's so fantastic. What are your best memories of being on that season 14 of The Bachelorette? What surprised you? What? Because I know you've said it's not scripted, but of course there's production that has to happen, but it's not scripted. So it's very real. What are your favorite memories from doing that show? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break more with Finding Your Bliss and The Bachelorette's most likable contestant ever, Jason Tardick, when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're having the most delightful conversation with former Bachelorette contestant and Bachelor Nation favorite, Jason Tardick. He has a best-selling book, The Restart Roadmap, and a popular podcast, Trading Secrets. And I was just asking you, Jason, before the break, what your favorite memories are from season 14 of The Bachelorette. Uh, There's so many good memories, but I think, you know, some of the camaraderie in the house was great. I think the probably the best memory that I have is after six or no, it's probably like eight weeks at this point, no phone, no TV, no internet. We're on and I finally get like this one-on-one date and we go into a, a bar and in the bar I turn and there were three of my best friends there and I was just like blown away. And it just reiterates the importance of like, wow, how meaningful are the people that are closest to you and the impact they have on your life and how they can create such happiness. And that was a huge, huge one for me. Another one that I think a lot of people can relate to if you're listening to this. Three months, guys, think about this. If you're listening to this, think about this. Three months of no phone, no TV, no internet, no music, no catching the scores, no emails, nothing. (laughs) 
ability to connect with yourself and others when you do not have those distractions was a level I've never seen in my entire life. Wow. What I would challenge anyone to do, try it for, I'm not kidding you, I did it for three months. Try it for 90 minutes. Phone down. Wow. Email out. Nothing. No music, no TV, no phone, no technology. Just you. And the things you're going to learn about yourself are going to take you to a level you never even imagined. And after three months of being in that, I learned more in those three months than I knew about myself in 30 years. Wow. Jason, I never realized that about the no phone thing. That is crazy. So you're really removed from the outside world and you just have to have your own thoughts. It's almost like you're in a state of mindfulness and you're with yourself. And that is so powerful. What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself? During that time, the biggest thing I learned, yeah, I mean, even I just think about now as you said that, because I, you know, just top of my mind was I just remember like I think about it at night right now, right? What do I do at night? I turn on Netflix on and fall asleep to a new show. Like even at night, I remember just being up with no distraction, just like thinking about life. Like, how did I get here? You know, just things I would never spend time to think about, which was just amazing. The biggest thing I learned about myself, and I'll never forget this, was it was like week two. And a producer is interviewing me backstage and it's, you know, it's an ITM interview. So that means they're like getting your thoughts and out of nowhere, she's like, all right, cut it. We're good. I'm like, geez, that's, she's like, that's tough. I'm like, did I do something wrong? She goes, oh no, no, you did just the opposite of that. I was like, what? She's like, did everything perfect. And she's kind of giving it to me. She's like, you're perfect, right? Never had a bad breakup. You and your exes are perfect. Everything's cordial. Your work's perfect. Your life's perfect. Your family's perfect. Jason, I have nothing more to ask you because I have nothing I can get from you. And I just found it fascinating because she's right. I think because I was a lot, I was like very concerned with, you know, what's going to happen and all this stuff being on television. But the idea of it is that I was so disconnected with the reality of some certain situations and not really addressing them that the way I would deal with them is kind of compartmentalized rather than step into them. And rather than addressing the fact that my last relationship was a disaster and ended in me getting cheated on, or rather than addressing that there are some things that going on in my professional life I'm embarrassed about, what I would do is run from it, camouflage it, compartmentalize. And in that experience and in that time, you can't run. You can't run (laughs) to another meeting. You can't run to another email. You can't call your mom or brother, sister, best friend to distract you. You have to step into what's made you you for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I hadn't done that for a while. And for me, it really connected kind of my brain and my heart and put me in a different position. And I don't think I'll ever be in a, you know, I think that experience changed my life forever. I remember when, so you were in the top three, and I remember that night that Becca Cuffrin, you were eliminated, and then you went back to her hotel room with that beautiful scrapbook. And I think that Becca Cuffrin and all of us, I'm sure she was saying to herself, I think I just screwed up. Can I say that on the air? Because, I mean, you're just like, you are the nicest guy. You really, really are the nicest and the best. You're just like BF, boyfriend material, husband material. Do you remember that night? Was that a tough night for you? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I remember like yesterday that night. First of all, some people would say the scrapbook, they would, I remember people would go, oh, that was a prop production gave it to you. BS. I spent so much damn time on that scrapbook and I was giving it to her that night, but at dinner is when like the breakup happened. So for me, I was like, I don't care what happens. She's getting this book. I spent so much time on it. <laughs> I knew that it was over. Uh, I knew that there was no turning back. 
what I didn't feel like I received was closure. And that's what I wanted, like the proper closure. Because for me, when I close a door, that door is closed. And I'm thankful for those experiences, but I'm not looking back. And if I don't close the door properly, I'll continue to look back. And so for me, no matter what I do, work, relationships, anything, I need a proper, respectful close to a chapter of my life. And so that's what the purpose of that was. But I do remember like that was, it was like a tough period. It was, you know, cause again, there was no support or anything. You're just sitting in a room after rethinking everything. And it was a challenge. Now, when I got out of the whole production bubble, I think it was easy to like just snap back into, you know, reality and put the past behind you. But it was, uh, it was tough. It was a tough time, but you know, it's wild to look back on that whole journey and that experience. Wow. I just, I can't get over it. Uh, I, I was just thinking also, spoken like such a Scorpio. I know you're born on October 24th. Yeah. I know your birthday because my son is very close to your birthday and my husband. And so I, I that's a great, uh, a great birthday. Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask. When you say spoken like a, a true Scorpio, what did well, you say? I'm curious. I, I think a Scorpio is driven relentlessly to succeed. And when they yes. love, they love with all of their heart and soul and they yeah. will give you everything unless you sting them and then watch out. Yeah. But once they go, they go. And I think after the scrapbook, you were ready to recover and bounce back and start over and do exactly what this whole book is about, right? right? Which is restart, right? The restart roadmap. So Scorpius will give it their all while they're there. But if you sting them, watch out. And then once it's over, it's over. over. That's all. That's exactly what I mean. It's done. It's over. (laughs) I'm going to learn from it and we'll move on and you'll move on. And both her and I did. Both are very happy now. (laughs) How did you recover and bounce back from the breakup with Becca. And was it in part meeting your fiance, Caitlin Bristow, who you met on her podcast, Off the Vine? Yeah. So the bounce back was actually easy once I started talking to the other guys after the show. And then ironically enough, which is usually catastrophic for a lot of relationships, a lot of people come off this show, they end up together. Then they got to watch it all back. They have to watch their significant other fall in love with three, four other people. You know, for me, what was very easy is I knew it didn't work out with us. And then I got to watch it back and I'm like, whoa, we did not have what they had. This all makes sense. And it clicked. And so that was the easiest way to get over it. And it was instant. It was like, got it. There's a Scorpio in me. Now, Caitlin and I didn't meet, you know, the show wrapped in April, May. Caitlin and I didn't meet until late October. And we met after they made the decision of who the next bachelor would be. It was going to be Colton. Caitlin came to Seattle because she was big on me being the next bachelor. And she interviewed me on her podcast to say pretty much like, what's next? Like they didn't select you, but what's next? And the irony of that is the first time we ever talked in person, we haven't recorded. And what was next, weirdly enough, was right in front of me. And that was the day we met. Wow. Wow, that is so cool. And was it a conscious decision to choose Nashville? Like, are you a singer when you're not doing everything that you're doing? Yeah, so we ended up, <laughs> no, I'm not a singer. <laughs> I did just get asked to go on the mass Singer that's on tour in Atlantic City. But wow. you know, I did chorus growing up. Uh, anyway, I'm dying. Uh, so, oh, Nashville was, so Caitlin was already here. I was in Seattle. I ended up leaving my job. That's a whole nother story. That's all in the book. Wild, juicy details. You have to read the book. 
love to hear all about that. <laughs> yeah. So that after yeah. leaving my job, I talk a lot about rethinking where you live and why and putting on a scale of one to 10, the professional value that city gives back to you, the financial value of living in that city, and then the yeah. personal value that city offers you. While Seattle is a gorgeous and beautiful city, especially being out of banking and moving into entrepreneurship, from a financial standpoint, scale of one to 10 was very low. From a professional standpoint, the scale was extremely low, one to 10 based on my new venture. And three, on a personal standpoint, I didn't know one person within 3,000 miles other than the people I worked with. So my value scores were extremely low. So the thought was, let's move to Nashville and in six months, readjust and see where we'll be. Well, three years later, here we are still in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow, (laughs) with two beautiful dogs. One of the cool things that you also did after The Bachelorette, Jason, was you created a brand around your uniqueness. You built a brand that was a niche. And as a result, you attracted sponsorships from national business and finance-focused companies. And this, in turn, helped you create your own business networking group, your own business podcast, Trading Secrets, which I love. And I'm going to tell you what my favorite episode is in a minute. And the social media community, Restart, which creates more than 1 million impressions a week. That's phenomenal. You say the lesson is clear. Develop your own differentiating brand and make that the value you offer and exchange the service you seek. You also say that your network is your net worth. Love that. Can you tell us more about creating a brand? Yeah. So the power of brand is just critical to anything you do. And if you're listening to this and you think that you don't have a brand, I will tell you, you've had a brand since the day you were born. Knowing your brand, understanding your brand and seeing what differentiates your brand is important. And you should live it thoroughly and authentically on every forum you can in person, on your resume, on your job search tools, LinkedIn, social media tools, etc. And so I talk a lot about in the book, you should, if you have your name and you don't have your URL, get it. That'll tell your story. You can build a website for less than 500 bucks and you can have your entire brand starting to develop online. And so I think whatever your brand is going to be, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be unique to you. It's got to be genuine and authentic. And you have to decide how you're going to activate people following what you're doing. And whether it's a blog, it's a podcast, it's a product, uh, it's consulting. It's literally, it could be in leadership. It could be in charities, non-for-profits, whatever that brand is, you have to find a way to activate it, but do not activate it until you've identified what it is and how you're going to differentiate. That's so cool. You say in the book that you think LinkedIn is the most important social media platform more than Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Why is that? I mean, LinkedIn has grown at a rate that's just unbelievable. About a billion people there. There are 50 million people on LinkedIn searching for jobs a week, every second. One second, boom, 77 (laughs) applications were just submitted through LinkedIn. So it is an unbelievable tool to find you opportunity. And it's also an unbelievable tool to keep an organized structure of who your network is. You meet someone, you had a good conversation, connect with them because you might forget in two months. And that leads to the last point, which is access. It is tough to get access with people on Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. It is so easy to get a hold of people you couldn't get a hold of on those forums. Yes. On LinkedIn. Yes. I think I found you on LinkedIn, there if I'm not know. mistaken. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Very possibly. And you guys do uh, me on LinkedIn. My <laughs> professional responding is eight times higher than any other form. 
Wow, that is so cool. I also love when you talk about the art of getting noticed and repositioning how you present yourself. This is all in the book, The Restart Roadmap. And I love how you talk about the red carpet, the Academy Awards, the, you know, the Golden Globes, the Emmys, all of that. We just had on a nine-time Emmy Award-winning executive producer of Schitt's Creek on the show, phenomenal a guy. But you talk about how the red carpet is the quintessence of nonverbal communication. And you give all these wonderful tips in the book for transferring what's in your brain to a tangible document. And I love the line where you said, in less than 30 seconds, why you? Tell everyone in less than 30 seconds, why you? Oh, I love that question. So in less than 30 (sighs) seconds, I have had a very unique life and resume that I've got to see and be in the offices of Forbes' most powerful ranked business banking executives to behind the red carpet of seeing the likes of Hoda and Michael Strahan and some of the best of the best present themselves and nail it within 20 seconds. And through the experience of higher education, unscripted television, and corporate America, I have learned so many tips and tricks that most people don't get to see in their lifetime. And all those tips and tricks are enclosed in the Restart Roadmap, which is why me and why you should buy the book. I love that. And I think you should buy two. I think you should get one for you and one for a friend that you care about to help them do the same thing. I also love your section on eliminating the work from networking. I actually love networking. Is that part of it, just loving it? And what do you say to people who don't love it? I don't think it's necessarily loving it. I just think that networking gets such like an icky name. And I understand that no one or most people. Actually, what's interesting is the number one fear in the world right now or was before the pandemic was going into a small networking group and not knowing anyone. It actually superseded giving a speech. So the idea of sitting there with like a name tag and being and like trying to meet people (laughs) is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is your friends and your friends of friends and the people you've come across in your life that takes one conversation, one voice, one discussion, and one ear listening to change your entire life. And so really honing in on your relationships that have been built and your relationships that will be built to think about where there's mutuality, how you can bring value to them and how they can bring value to you is really, really imperative in the world we live in, not for just professional happiness, but personal happiness and financial happiness. So great. Okay, so I need your advice. Asking for a friend... Uh, if I'm looking for some additional sponsors for a radio show, again, just asking for a friend, I love your networking checklist, which says that it's important to know what your unique value is and how to do your research, make a pitch. And you talk about these three R's, research, request, respond. Can you tell us what you mean by that and what it takes to make a great pitch? Oh, I love that. So the big thing is too, is you have to figure out how you're going to bring value to someone else. And you have to do that by understanding your numbers, and what you do and how you do it and what that can contribute to someone else. And then you got to find a way that that can be monetized. And so we have done that on a day-to-day basis with uh, my personal influencing brand and my podcast. And now what we've done is we created a talent agency where we rep over 40 people, actors, musicians, uh, professional athletes, unscripted television personalities, et cetera. And every single day we're pitching them. And how we're doing it is we're researching the companies that align with their brand. We're understanding 
what value they bring to them. We're submitting the request through brands directly through agencies and PR firms. And then we're giving the pitch as to why that individual or person or brand would be perfectly aligned in the impact that could be made. But that can't be done unless you really understand who it is you're talking to, what they represent, and how there can be an exchange of value. And I think within a pitch, it has such importance that you're doing the research. I think me being on this podcast, you could tell you have done, Judy, unbelievable research, which is going to make this conversation 10 times better. And so that's the stuff that every individual has to do in every interaction, especially when they're pitching themselves or someone else. So smart. And just briefly about compensation, which you really understand. And it's so true that you do need the compensation to feel good about what you're doing. If you're not being compensated financially, what are some tips on how to change that narrative? Start talking about how much you make. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with your family members. Talk about it with your colleagues. Figure out who works in similar fields to you in the similar cities and go ask them, what are you making? Don't be afraid to not have that conversation. And if you are afraid and you want to keep it more professional, because I know it's politically uh, the right thing to do to not talk about money, which I adamantly disagree with. But I would say if you still feel like you're stuck in that bubble, then do it professionally. Talk to job recruiters. Go talk to different associations. Go talk to hiring managers. See what your value is in the market and make sure you're getting paid what you should be getting paid. And when you have to ask that closing question, you know, that big closing question, any tips for how to, you're looking for a sponsor and you have to ask that big closing question, any tips on how to do it with confidence and gutsiness? Yeah, I think what I'll say, interview, sponsor, a guest, anything was you want to put in their brain uh, the image of them doing or hiring or bringing you on. And what's a big tactic with that is a hypothetical. So what will happen is today, I don't work with you. Today, I'm not a guest on your podcast. Today, we haven't signed a contract. But when you put hypotheticals in place, suppose, when, imagine, how will we work together? Suppose I am working with you. Suppose the partnership's in place. And then what you do is you ask them a question that has to do with the manifestation, the imagery of you doing it. So suppose it's a Facebook pitch. Suppose Jason's hired for three posts, three stories. We know the rate. (laughs) What can he do given all his background and educational experience in, in financial literacy and career navigation that he can nail the mission for Facebook? Well, now they're thinking, they're thinking about my background, they're thinking about change, they're imagining what the results could be and the content could be. And now they're answering a hypothetical where the answer is in the hypothetical and they're imagining the success. And so I think when you're in an interview or any situation, hypotheticals are good starting points for questions you could ask. Nice. Love that. Okay. Let's talk about your podcast, Trading Secrets. It's fabulous, by the way. And I loved your interview with Patty Stanger, who people always tell me I look like, I don't know, my husband sometimes says, how come you're you're on television? You're right beside me. So I don't know, but I do love her. And I loved your podcast when you talked about Israel and that you went on Birthright, which is where my daughter is right now, my daughter, Lily, mm-hmm. and her best friend, Leah, one of her best friends who's a huge fan of yours Uh it's her birthday today so i wanted to ask if you could say happy birthday to leah happy birthday leah let's go (laughs) wait is leah in israel now or just with my daughter lily yeah they're on birthright go have a blast it'll be that was a trip i'll never forget enjoy every moment of it oh that's so awesome and i loved your conversation where she talked about she kind of created the idea for the bachelor 
And I also loved about Patty that she had so many starts and stops, let nothing defeat her. She kept climbing back up. And so I'm just wondering how her trajectory relates to your book, The Restart Roadmap, and to your show, Trading Secrets, and what you really learned from Patty Stanger. Patty Stanger, if I had to describe her in two words, I would say first word would be electric and the second word would be tenacious. So she is electrifying and she is tenacious. And that is what drives her in her career. And you talk about starts and stops. I mean, there's been hundreds and the detours she's taken and how she's taken them have been unbelievable. So I, I what I attest to her success is the tenacity to always find her way in the electricity to always do what she's doing with confidence. And I think that's where she is today and why. That's so cool. Jason, you just completed an exciting whirlwind book tour. We'd love to hear about some of the highlights when we come back after this short commercial break. We can't wait to hear more. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoom Radio AM 740, and we're talking about the whirlwind book tour you've just been on. What were some of the highlights, and what did you love about doing it? The book tour was awesome. We did eight cities, eight stops, and seven states all in eight days. It was crazy. Wow. I think one of the coolest things was selling out 92Y in New York City. I mean, that was just an unbelievable venue. They have had some unbelievable people speak at 92Y. And we had a big audience and we even had some people that streamed in so that they could see what we were doing. And that was just like a moment I won't forget. Wow. This show is all about finding and following your bliss. And even in midlife, knowing that changing your career path is not a failure, but being bold enough to recognize things that don't serve you anymore and brave enough to change them. This is all from your book. What are some of the tools that we can employ to activate that restart button and make sure we're aligned with our purpose and our happiness and our bliss within ourselves, our careers, and our personal lives? Yeah, I think it's overall redefining, redefining what success is to you. And so it took me a long time to redefine what success was to me. And forever, success was these big titles and power and respect and paychecks and money. And what's interesting is that only led me in a place where I was falling on my face in bathrooms, having panic attacks, being unengaged with work and like literally depressed. And so what I found is that when you can redefine success, it's going to change what you do and how you do it. It'll change where you deploy time and it'll have such a bigger impact for anyone. And so for me, my overall goal of success is truly finding happiness. Like what is going to make me happy? And it takes true honesty to say to yourself, what are the answers to those? And to not be embarrassed by what they are. 
because what makes me happy will not make you happy, Judy, but understanding what exactly makes Jason happy and aligning my behaviors and energy to those things is where the restart starts. It's so true. I'm a life coach and I do a really cool um, exercise with people where I ask, what do you love to do? How do you love to spend your time? What's your vision of a perfect world? And and the answers to all of those questions, what do people compliment you for? Which I think is a big thing with you because I, I can imagine what those things are that led to your figuring it all out. And the answer is really, you know, the beginnings of finding your bliss. What is the biggest lesson you learned from The Bachelorette? Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree with everything you just said. I think that's so important. Um, the biggest lessons that I learned from The Bachelorette is that, <laughs> I mean, there are so many lessons. You can write a book on the lessons I learned, but I'll say one of the biggest lessons in life is even when most people in life tell you not to do something or advise against it, um, you never know when you take a shot. And if you find yourself that you're risk averse or you're afraid of failure, you're embarrassed to step out of your comfort zone because of what people will say, it's usually those opportunities that will create unbelievable things for you. And I think that change could be a launch pad for so many things. And the change of me taking off my 10-year run at work in the best manner I could have was a launch pad to a whole different life lifestyle. So, so take some risk on. You only have one life. That's so true. Oprah always says that of every difficulty lies great opportunities. What drives you so relentlessly? What gets me going every day is I never want to have to work because I have many times. <laughs> I never want to have to work for anybody that I don't want to work for. And so that's what gets me drive every day to hustle the way I do. When I'm working with someone or for something, it's because I want to be doing it and for no other reason than that. You're working on a second book. Can you give us a little hint about what it's about? Little book, yeah. So working on book two, I will say it is the tangled webs of love and money in all stages from being single to raising kids to getting married to potentially being divorced. There's a lot of intersection between love and money. Will you come back on the show when that book is out to tell us all about it? Because wow. 100% if you'll have me, I will be here. Are you kidding? Absolutely. What is your ultimate dream that you'd love to be doing? Mm. Uh, that's such a tough one. Um, I think like the ultimate dream I would love at some point to be uh, hosting a show of mine on television where we are, because restart's a big word that I use, but we're like restarting people's lives and showing the transformation from start to finish. It's going to happen. I know this as a life coach and as a big believer in manifestation that that is going to happen. I love 100%. It. Let's do I it. I see it. <laughs> what is bliss for Jason Tardick? Bliss is just a state of peace in what's going on in my life. Um, my connection with the people that mean the most to me and the animals. If I have two rescue dogs with me, I think feeling financially stable, secure without needing anyone or anybody and then I think making an impact within my work and finding work success. Like those are the three things that I need to feel uh, at ease and at peace and with bliss. And if I could do those three things, that's what puts me in the state of bliss. The Restart Roadmap is the book. If you had to give your best advice for someone who wants to restart but just doesn't know where to begin, just a tip to get started, what would you say? Look in the mirror. It starts with you. You can't do anything until you've identified where you're having issues and you've been so raw and real to yourself that right down to the bedrock of who you are, you understand why you got there and where you want to go. And most people think restart, but I always say before you restart, you got to rewire.
Do you know what I think is the greatest reason for your success is really that you are a great person. You are a mensch. Yeah. You're a nice guy. It's just in everything that you do. And I think we need another Oprah. <laughs> God bless Oprah. We love her. We never want to replace her. But I think you're that guy. And I think that's going to happen for you. I really, really do. That's so nice of you to say that. <laughs> so what is the best way for people to contact you, connect with you on social media, and of course, to get a copy of the Restart Roadmap. Well, apparently, it's, we already gave that secret. It's LinkedIn. But uh, <laughs> no, you can find me on any form of social media. It's Jason underscore Tardic. The Restart Instagram, just Restart underscore Reset. And uh, you can find the Restart Roadmap, at Barnes & Noble, Target, etc. But probably the easiest way, you put in the Restart Roadmap on Amazon, and it'll be at your front door in two, three days from now. I want to thank you so much for being here, Jason. It's truly been an honor and an absolute delight. Judy, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed the interview. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Each week, we spotlight a celebrity, an author, a thought leader, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. As well, we often spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And for those of you who don't know, I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way find and follow your bliss, let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. In Bliss News, we are so excited to announce our phenomenal giveaway courtesy of Finding Your Bliss. We are giving away a complimentary copy of Jason Tardick's book, The Restart Roadmap. And all you have to do to get in on this giveaway is just follow at Jason underscore Tardick and at The Bliss Minute. Just like our contest post tag two friends and you will have a chance to win this book. I would like to thank our wonderful guest, Jason Tardick, for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, our associate producer and audio engineer, Naira Amani, senior editor, Lauren Kaminsky, video editor, Fran Coviello, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrack, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.